Welcome to Key Exchanges in the 901 Podcast. It's the podcast where we share the real stories of the real estate community here in Memphis. These are the stories that help every key change hands, the stories that are shaping the real estate market in our city. I'm Dane Williams, your key connection for home insurance, and I will be your host today. And we're recording today's show from the fabulous Shoemaker Insurance Solutions Studios. I know you guys are going to be surprised by this, but once again, I'm fired up for today's show. Seriously, it's going to be great. In the second segment, I'm going to sit down with one of the rising stars in the Remax family. And if you haven't heard of her yet, I promise that won't last long because she's incredibly impressive. But first, I get to chat with our seventh former president of the Memphis Area Association of Realtors. I'll be honest with you, that job is a ridiculous amount of work, and it takes a special person to pull it off. But I have to imagine there are a few years, though, that might have been tougher than others. This impressive woman managed to hold this challenging position during the middle of a global pandemic as we all wrestled with how to navigate normal life. She comes from one of the first families in Memphis real estate, so it's no surprise that she would have achieved this level of success. Currently, she serves as the managing broker at the East Memphis firm that bears her last name, Garland Company Real Estate where she is tasked with wrangling her cousin and previous guest, Chris, and her father, Gary. She is the wife to Jean, the mom to Connor, and the prima ballerina of Mars Past Presidents. <laughs> it is my profound honor and great privilege to welcome Miss Catherine Garland on the Key Exchanges in the 901. Thanks for coming on the show, Catherine. I'm glad to be here. I can't believe you threw in the ballerina piece. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's, I'll never live that down. <laughs> not a day in your life. They will say it at your funeral. But either way, uh, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to have that. And if you were not at Catherine's uh, installation, inauguration, whatever it is yeah. we call that, mm-hmm. uh, there was a ballerina theme about it that you'll have to ask her about. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm always willing to make fun of myself. <laughs> good, good. We, we share that. Uh, Catherine, I always start off each episode by trying to figure out how the heck did we get here, though, right? So hop in the Wayback Machine and tell me, how the heck did you end up in real estate? Uh, so I got uh, I went to real estate school in 2005 at um, Ray Bowder, which isn't around anymore. But um, at the time, I was working in the restaurant business, and I kept uh, thinking that I needed to do something else. Um, of course, you know, I had, you know, my, my dad influencing me, trying to get me to, he's always wanted me to get in the real estate business, but for some reason I never really wanted to do it. I just always kind of wanted to do my own thing. And I was interested in cooking and all that kind of stuff, working in fine dining restaurants and everything. And, um, I ended up getting my real estate license, uh, in 2006 and, uh, had it for a little while and still uh, worked in restaurants and, um, Ultimately, when I had a baby on the way, which I was, um, I was pregnant while I was still selling real estate back then. And um, when I had him in 2007, I did, you know, retire my license for a little while, but then got back in 2009. So I guess technically you could say I was in the business steady from 2009, but before that it was, uh, it was uh, part time, I guess you would say. Yeah, 2009 is a tough time to be uh, deciding I'm going to go into it full time. I know, (laughs) that's true. And it was wild back then because, um, you know, that's, that's really where I I got started was when we were in the middle of uh, the repercussions of the, um, Market, market crash. crash. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, my dad was always like, if you can sell real estate in this market, you still sell it in any market, you know? So, yeah. um, so I really did learn early on to, um, you know, go out and, um, and, 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 and work to, to get business and stuff. And he always kind of said that, 
Um, you get to eat what you kill every day. So it was kind of that mentality of like, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. You need to get out and, and sell and, and continue to uh, generate new business and stuff. So um, it was yeah. a good lesson back then. Well, I feel like there, even now, <laughs> but <laughs> there are a handful of people that I've had the pleasure to sit down with on the show that started in that same time. I remember yeah. Lex- Lexi Johnston, John yeah. Dickens, um, both of them mentioned starting at that time. And it's almost where if you just learn the habits at that point, you mm-hmm. don't know any different, then right. your dad's right. Like yeah. You're, you're going to be able to sell because you only knew it as hard, and it just is right. what it is. And I think it's kind of a misnomer because people get in the real estate business now, and they think that um, you know you just collect offers, collect right? offers, and, and <laughs> cash checks, right? But there is um, you know some work to be had <laughs> yeah. at even maintaining in a market like this. So sure, yeah. uh, one of the things that I think. Um, is unique when we talk about your family, right? Entering the business with both, I guess, the perks of, of being a Garland, right? right. Uh, and then also probably the pressures of being a Garland <laughs> and, and probably the good and the bad. Uh, what was that like, I guess, uh, having some of those good things and bad things that maybe many new agents won't have to face? You know, I think uh, I never assumed anybody knew me <laughs> when I first got into the. So real a lot estate. of big signs with your name on it. I though. know, but like I think that some people did, and then some people had no idea. But um, I think it is a misunderstanding uh, to an extent. I think people think probably I had things handed to me, or I didn't have to do as much uh, because of that. But um, the truth is, is that Garland Company is a a very small boutique real estate company. We don't have big training programs that your larger firms have. And so, and I have the experience and knowledge of other agents in my office, but I don't feel like that's anything different than any other brokerage because mm-hmm. there's people that are ready, willing, and able to help other agents when they're um, struggling with things and give them experience and, and tell them about their experience that I got and just happened to be from family members. And so when I, um, the way I got my training and my knowledge and um, education was through the Board of Realtors. You know, all of the classes up there. Um, back then, we had what was called a rookie resource thing of classes. I guess I don't know what the word I'm looking for. But, um, and so they had like a contracts to close. Uh, they had a short sale um, class in foreclosure because that was what we were in last, sure. back then. Uh, there was a top producer panel. There was just all of these different things. And I took every single one of them. They were free to the membership. And so um, that is something that it was, in, and I'm not the only one I know uh, that <laughs> felt the need to have something like that. But um, when I ran for uh, president, that was one of the things that I said. I was like, I love that we had this. I want to do this again or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it had already been um, kind of talked about Lauren Whiff had uh, started her new agent tune-up thing and Mm -hmm. uh, all that. So um, the Education Foundation ended up bringing the uh, performance excellence, you know, certification that came out this year, which is kind of based off that same rookie resource thing. So I was really excited about that because I feel like that's, that's kind of like, that helped me as someone who did not have the education and the, um, the training that other brokerages have. Like it, it really helped me get my my foot in the door and like some knowledge under my belt, I guess. I felt more confident. Yeah. Well, it's something aware. I'm sure, like you said, people assume that, well, she's got this and and the business is almost just going to flow there. But right. what you were missing was so much of that structure right. that, that you take for granted when you're at Keller Williams or Crylike or some of these other big shops to where 
it's just expected almost as a part of culture that you're going to go through this program and you're going to be here on this day at this time. And you had to go find and make these things uh, fit for your life from other pieces and and kind of decide what you're going to implement, what works for your business, what doesn't. And uh, I I think that's... um, that's a unique skill set that I'm sure has has uh, paired well with some of the other things you've done in life. Right, and that's true because um, my dad and I do work together a lot. Um, you know, we are business partners. We um, we talk a lot, <laughs> and um, early on, uh, there were certain things that, like the way he would handle a situation or the way he presented himself, was one way, and it was very different than than me. (laughs) And so we have a very different way of handling things. Mm. And it's funny that when we do co-list things, there are certain times when, um, depending on the personality of the client, that he does better with than me, (laughs) than I do. But so we kind of tag team in that regard and stuff. So it is, it has been (laughs) interesting in that regard. So. You had to forgive my ignorance here because when I just think about kind of the history of, of Garland and your, and your family's uh, real estate business, it seems like I've always seen a bend of either you've got Ken Senior, Ken Jr., your, mm-hmm. your cousins, that's where they were doing residential development mm-hmm. as builders and whatnot. Uh, and then we've got your dad, Gary, and then even Chris, as he was getting started out with commercial as, right. as primary focus. Um, you've had no interest in one kind of building side of things, but also the uh, construction side of things. You have been pretty much exclusively residential resales is what you've done for your entire career. With all of those influences around you that were not what you are now, how did you end up taking this path? Well, I... I just like residential sales. I like um, the relationship building with um, your clients. It's one of those things that when you can fully grasp the fact that this is the largest investment most people ever make, it's terrifying, especially for first-time homebuyers. They don't know what they're doing. They've looked, obviously, online (laughs) through all the websites and stuff. But when it comes to the ins and outs and all the details as far as buying and, you know, their house or even selling their first house. Um, it's overwhelming. And so I've, um, I'm detail oriented. So I feel like I do a good job of consolidating all of the details and handling all of those, a lot of moving parts there to where I can let them focus on the bigger decisions and kind of lay it out in front of them and say, Hey, this is uh, what we're dealing with. How do you want to, you know, how do you want to handle this or whatever? So, um, and just taking that pressure off of them mm-hmm. and and me riding that that dragon <laughs> you know so yeah. so i um i feel like uh i feel like i've i've found something that i enjoy doing i like doing that that side of things so that's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I know uh, a lot of your practice is because where you live, where you've done life, whether it's taking place inside the loop or downtown, you'll, you'll sell all over the county. Right. But a lot of your natural relationships are in neighborhoods where you've done life. And Germantown, East Memphis, downtown over the span of your career, there hasn't been just a ton of new construction developments. Um, I, I would imagine it's pretty rare for you to be under contract with new construction. How do you feel that just having so much experience in the resale market has shaped the realtor that you've become today? Well, you know it is true. I have it. I've done. I've done several uh, construction contracts and stuff. Um, and my experience with those have really been that the listing agent. It really kind of pulls a lot of the weight on that because they know what the builder wants and the certain mm-hmm. specifics and stuff. But, um, you know, um, it it has been uh, a lot of resale. I do. I grew up in Germantown uh, in Kimber Woods. I um, 
have lived in Midtown, downtown, Naomanese, Memphis. So I have been all of those areas, which are predominantly older homes. Um, and so, you know, there's not a whole lot that scares me about older homes. Out my house I just sold in Midtown was, you know, 1904. <laughs> so, so, and I love it. I love the character of the older houses. I love um, just you know, the history of them. Uh, there is a history with my old house, if you're interested in knowing it, which sure. was a, apparently, and I don't know how true this is, but this is what I was told, it was passed down from my husband, was that um, Marguerite Piazza used to own our house. And so she's, you know, an opera singer that was from here. And so, um, and she hated uh, grass. And so she had, it was all concrete in the back. And so, and it was all concrete in the front. Hmm. And so my husband, when he... Um, bought the house at some point he ended up uh, putting this retaining wall in and putting a garden and a yard up front but it was all concrete and concrete and so um how about that in that in that wild That's... i always love to hear the history of different houses like oh so and so lived here and actually i was in i have a house that i'm did a home inspection on this week in Central Gardens, and they're doing the film tour of Central Gardens where uh, for the next couple of weeks where you, they have little signs in front of certain houses that certain movies were filmed at, like 21 Grams and, you know, different things like that. So I thought that was so cool because we have a lot of history here in Memphis of film yeah. and stuff. So anyway. That's really, really cool. <laughs> I got a little off track there. Sorry. No, no, you're good. <laughs> you have the honor of being in a very distinguished club of past presidents of Mar. But you're the only one that had to manage this challenge in the midst of COVID-19 for nearly your entire term, right? Right. <laughs> Cassandra's still got a bit that she's dealing with at this point, but like we're starting to have some meetings yeah. and whatnot. It's coming, right? Yeah. So um, how would you describe the challenges of that job on its own and how they were complicated by this unprecedented global pandemic? Well, uh, it was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the... Going into the year, I, I felt prepared for what the year had to offer. You know, it was, um, you know, as Mar president, you are the face of Mar. If people um, have uh, concerns or complaints, sometimes they do call you with hmm. things that, um, and then I'll try to direct. I would try to direct them to whoever with staff would help be able to help them. You know, and um, you're ma chairman of the board, so you're you manage and you uh, facilitate. Uh, the board meetings and, you know, you go to the events and, you know, do all that. So, um, fewer events. Yeah. Fewer <laughs> events. <laughs> and so with COVID-19, I remember when, um, it was spring break, we were in Montreal, Canada for a family trip, visiting some friends. And, uh, we were coming back that Thursday, the 12th and lockdown was happening on Friday. Mm. And I remember my husband being like, We've got to get the airport. We are not getting stuck in Canada. Like we've yeah. got to get home. And so, uh, but at that time, I already had people calling, like, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, you know, it was you know the staff at Mar, Katie, and uh, and all the staff. They literally picked up all their stuff and took it home. They didn't. I mean, we all thought. This is going to be a couple weeks, yeah, two right? Weeks, right? Right. Yeah. And so they took their stuff and they teleworked and they transitioned to that very quickly. And, um, and you know, they had their office phones so that they could, it was like they were working, but they were at, like they were in the office, but they were just at their houses doing all the stuff they, that y'all needed and everybody needed. But, um, I guess the biggest thing was just, uh, from the jump, us making sure, A, that we could still, uh, sell real estate because that was one of the biggest things. It's like, you know, are we going to still be, are we going to be deemed essential? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be able to still um, have an income? 
you know, like, what is this going to look like? And um, we immediately got on the phone with our elected officials and told them, you know, this is why we have to be deemed essential. Residential is, um, or re- uh, real estate is a essential part of life. If people can't close on transactions, then it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And um, and they listened. And so that was that's one of those things that I have continued to say over the past year of like the value proposition of our relationship with our governmental affairs and our, our PAC that. Um, when we were able to do that, they immediately were like, yes, we understand. And so we were able to continue to sell real estate. And so that was huge because at the time and what ended up happening was that we had so many people who were, their whole lives got flipped upside up. They had to uh, either sell their house because uh, all of a sudden they didn't have a job mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were furloughed or something like that. Yeah. Or they were um, in the middle of uh, buying a house and they needed to be able to do move to get on to the next destination or whatever. Um, so it was a, a lot of uncertainty at that time. But I, I was um, very proud of how uh, we all uh responded to that and how staff handled, they were on it like immediately from the jump. So I was really proud of all the work that they did. And, um, you know, going from there, you know, it ended up being a record-breaking year. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. And I think that uh, one of the things about it is, is that people's um, needs changed. Changed, You know, it's like all of a sudden, like certain people started realizing that they're in bigger cities and they don't necessarily have to be. They can work from home. And I've had a lot of people say that now. I have some clients that, you know, work, uh, they're staying virtual uh, or teleworking, whatever, uh, or working from home. Um, mm-hmm. And so they don't even have to live in Memphis anymore. So they're going to sell and live somewhere else because they can still keep their job mm-hmm. and work somewhere else. So the whole landscape's changed. And um, and so the big thing with... Um, Mar at the time was that we wanted to make sure that our members knew that we had their backs and we were making sure that they can still provide for their families and and have their business going and stuff. And then at the same time, um, everyone was kind of stuck at home a little bit, so we wanted to push the virtual content yeah. so they had that you could keep working on your um, your. Uh, professional development while you're at home and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I think we did a really good job of that until everyone got, you know, Zoom fatigue. (laughs) And then it's like you're continuing to try and figure out ways to do things and and become creative and uh, and keep people engaged. And uh, and then we had our bigger events, like the annual meeting that we did the drive-through event uh, or the, you know, the drive-in event. And um, we had a good turnout with that. I wish we would have kind of maybe had some more. It was a lot of fun. Like, um, it was a fun event. Um, but we were trying to still give people something to do while at the same time we had to have our business meeting, our annual meeting, sure. and, like, all that kind of stuff. And then um, – but it's been a challenge. It was definitely a challenge because it was one of those things where um, when is the right time to – let people back in the office. When is the right time yeah. to do this? And um, I kept thinking, you know, at the time that, you know, everyone was getting, uh, we were able to provide all the services. Like, you know, um, does it matter if you come into the office in order to do it? I don't sure. know. And so we, as a board, we went kind of back and forth and discussed that and uh, several times, especially in the fall. And then ultimately, you know, at the end of the year, we decided um, – that we were going to let people come back in. But then right after we did that, you know, the number surged again sure. and we had to go back. So it's like there's never a right time to make that kind of decision. Yeah. But um, well, it, it seems like uh, what you're describing there, especially um, as you talk about the year to where you guys 
um, demonstrated your value to the membership was being able to have real estate deemed as essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that happening, I mean, we ran the risk of essentially having an entire industry maybe go six months without a paycheck. Oh, and, and how many bottom. people would have been out of the business completely at that mm-hmm. point doing something else and how that would have shaped the entire way the industry looks at that point. Oh, yeah. Versus the other side of that coin, because you advocated having a record year for the industry and and people setting all kinds of personal goals and providing a different life for their families. Uh, That's something that I feel like just can't be emphasized enough. The impact that the organization and and all of the people within it uh, make uh, advocating on behalf of real estate professionals. Right. So good. Um, I know um, prior to real estate, we talked about how you spent uh, a significant portion of your life in a kitchen, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, working in restaurant kitchens across the city. How did you come down that path? And like, I guess, end up uh, working uh, in, in restaurants and, and then I guess what ultimately got you back into real estate? Well, um, you know, I went to uh, college in Charleston at College of Charleston and I was there uh, my freshman year, and I had a friend who um, had gone to the Culinary Institute of America. He worked at a restaurant called Magnolia's there, and um, and he, I, I was fascinated by the re- being like a chef or being in the restaurant business just by uh, conversations with him and stuff. And so, like drawn to the glamour of it of, of fine dining. Because- I don't know why, because it's not glamorous. No. I don't- yeah. <laughs> Do not know, um, but I, I, maybe I just like to eat. I don't know, but <laughs> the the truth is, is I like to cook. I like I do I enjoy it a lot. My dad, both of us have that in common. We definitely like to cook, and um, and so when I came back to Memphis, um, I was going to the University of Memphis, and I was working in odd jobs and restaurants, and then I ended up. Um, go, working through several different ones uh, in a more fine dining field, and I uh, really enjoyed it for a long time until it uh, didn't. <laughs> it's long hours. You know, you go in late, you stay late, and um, you're on your feet all day long. And um, I ultimately got out of the restaurant business when my son was on his way because I was like, I can't I can't work nights. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to do this. And so... Um, and so that's when I, I did full time into real estate and stuff. And, um, you know, being a single mom with a little baby was kind of, and I say single mom, I use that term loosely because the truth is, is that I didn't do it all by myself. My parents were huge helps with me. And, um, and so I wouldn't want to give anybody the wrong impression that I was, you know, but, um, but they definitely helped me so much during that time and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's ultimately when I got out of the restaurant business for good and did residential real estate full time. And, um, you know, I still do um, a managing broker at the office, but my dad's still principal broker, but I'd handle everything with the office. I do all the bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff, too. And so um, I did that and did real estate, you know, starting out and stuff. And now I still I still do it because it's just I don't know. It is habit at this point. I don't know how to let anybody else do it, (laughs) to be honest. That's Um, funny. I know uh, you and I were having a conversation the other day. We were talking about insurance, right? Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that came up was we're talking about limits on certain types of contents of people's houses on a homeowner's policy. Um, I I know we were saying, you know, you think there are limits on this or on that. Specifically, what uh, what types of things were you thinking about when we were having that conversation? Well, like if you have um, a lot of jewelry or you have... um, you know, uh, uh, significant artwork in mm-hmm. your house or, um, you know, my husband is a cigar smoker, so <laughs> you have a large quantity of cigars or stuff like that. Like I know you have to have def- uh, different, um, 
you have to raise your endorsements and stuff on that. So I think sometimes people don't realize that they need to kind of really comb through what's what's in their house. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's funny. I told the story on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had a client that came in. They had hundred and sixty plus thousand dollars of artwork mm-hmm. that they had not listed on their policy at mm-hmm. all. We just thought they were covered. And people don't think through these things. They don't realize that, hey, you know, we may need to make sure we're paying special attention uh, yeah. to, to these uh, these areas. And it's something that I think our, our, our realtors, our lenders, our, our people that are interacting with them on the home buying process can definitely advise their clients on as well to, yeah. to start to have that conversation with an insurance professional early so that we can go ahead and find out that, hey, we've got a whole bunch of jewelry, we've got art that we need appraisals on, or we've got any number of things. Generally, I say if you've got something that's worth a couple thousand dollars, you at least want to have a conversation with mm-hmm. your insurance agent and see, does this need special protection or does it need, um, is it going to fall under our normal content? So yeah. I think that's probably a, a good uh, good line to walk as you're, you're having those conversations and engaging with your clients as they're getting ready to move. Right. So if I'm, if my house burns down and my, you know, um, Picasso burns in it. Yes. Yes. That would be, uh, that would be like $20 million. That, that would be unfortunate. Are we y'all going to sure cover that? we got to make sure it's insured. Right. Okay. Well, I got one. I'm okay, just kidding. Good. I don't. Uh, yeah. I want to change gears here a bit and talk about you, uh, personally. Uh, do you have any interesting previous jobs or side hustles along the way? Um, no, other than restaurant business, when I first got when I first my first job uh, was uh, at Fox Photo, which is a one hour photo place. There, those aren't around they anymore. Don't exist. <laughs> I have an iPhone. But that was a do- that was an art. Okay, now it's like you can go to Walgreens and they just you put it in and do it. What uh, what movie have you seen more times than any other? Um, it's a it's a tie or a <laughs> it's like a four way tie. Four way tie. <laughs> This is someone that couldn't make up their mind. Is what this is. They're not four-way ties, right? <laughs> but there are like Steel Magnolias, okay. Forrest Gump. Like I watched those, especially Forrest Gump. Like anytime it's on TV, I don't know why I just love it. Yeah, and um, and I do watch. Uh, I love the Harry Potter movies, and I love um, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and stuff. It's like a fifty-way tie. There's a lot it of those is. movies, like, and so uh, I watch those probably more than most people uh, do, or probably are ashamed. Admit, but I'm not ashamed. That's right. Total nerd. (laughs) My wife is a Harry Potter person, and those I I don't know. I never really got into it too terribly much. I know they've all been on, but I can't tell you the plot of any of them. There's a boy wizard who grows up to be a little bit bigger. I loved them. See, they came out when I was uh, an adult, you know, and um, and I didn't read the books first. I watched the movies, but I have since watched read the books. Definitely, the books are better. But I just love, like, I just always thought, and I wish my son would get into it because I just love the idea. Like, I wish I would have had a story like this to read when I was younger to like. Teach it teaches kids that there's um, you can overcome great adversity. Like there's um, you know there's good and bad in everyone, and it just decide you know whatever you decide to act on is what matters, and mm. and stuff like that. And so I just thought it was such a great story. I just loved it. And your so. son could not care less. He doesn't care. No. <laughs> No, he's a drummer, and all he wants to do is play drums. And now he's back into video games, and so now he's playing video games all the time. But he's obsessed with the Titanic, so that's hilarious. How about that? Yeah, he loves the Titanic movie, but he's like loves historical facts about the Titanic. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's a little gruesome. Some of those facts he tells me. Like, Uh, did you know if this happened, then all these people wouldn't have died? Yeah, (laughs) heartwarming tale. Yes, (laughs) tell me more. What uh, What are you guys watching on TV right now? 
Um, I'm watching Big Bang Theory. Like, again, that's my, I love that show. Uh, so I've been watching that. And um, I did recently watch the Flight Attendant series, which was really same, good. Same girl, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, Kylie, Kay- Kaylee Cuoco, yeah. yeah. She, it was really good. Like, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, and uh, I, I really it. liked it. And um, yeah, I guess that. And then sometimes I like, I watch a lot of Seinfeld and yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Sure. Uh, what's your go to comfort food? I like Southern food, like fried chicken. Yeah. And, uh, do you have a favorite fried chicken around town? Um, well, you know, I do like Patrick's a lot. I don't know if they have fried chicken on Tuesdays. Okay. And um, I do like Gus's, but I get I get kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little picky with my fried chicken. Are you? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, favorite Memphis date night restaurant? I like all of um, the Andrew Michael restaurants. Okay. Um, all of the, I mean, they're, you know, speaking of the restaurant business, like, you know, chefs back in the day when I worked in the restaurant business weren't as professional or like had their crap together, like, you know, Andrew Michael and, and um, uh, Second Line and all those places, yeah. uh, <laughs> Kelly English and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a favorite one of the Andrew Michael restaurants? Um, Hog and Hominy. Yeah. <laughs> down yeah, I can't wait till they re- right? I hope so I don't know what the how the how like the progress is going on a long time they should, yeah they should make that again. that happened last year though during the pandemic didn't it I think so yeah yeah that was tragic like, we can rebuild buildings yeah. I'm an insurance okay this happens like we yeah. just build it back right <laughs> favorite purchase of the last year um, husband got me a weighted blanket for my birthday and I love it. Um, it's, <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm in a straight jacket. Maybe this one, maybe that's <laughs> what I need. But, um, that, and, um, and I, you know, I didn't, I, I do, um, we also got a hot tub, okay. uh, over the pandemic. That was our pandemic purchase. You're going opposite directions. Though, I right? know. The hot tub and the weighted blanket. You want to stay warm though. Okay? That's I what I got. Uh, my husband, it's like it was his little pet project more than mine, but it's definitely been a nice addition <laughs> to our house. We've definitely enjoyed it. That's funny. Look, Catherine, last question. If people want to get in touch with you, discuss buying or selling their next home, how can they do that? Call my cell, 901-644-8751. Awesome. And we will make sure that we have her contact information there in the show notes for you. Catherine, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Guys, but we're not done just yet. Up next, you won't want to miss my conversation with an agent that has exploded onto the scene over the last year or so and is garnering more attention every single day. You're listening to Key Exchanges in the 901. Key Exchanges in the 901 is powered by partnerships with exceptional businesses in our city. Businesses that invest and give back to the Memphis real estate community. This week's feature partner is Memphis Title Company. Yep, And as you heard, Memphis Title is this week's feature partner. Memphis Title has been serving realtors and builders in our city and helping make sure your clients have the professional closing experience that they deserve on their big day. They are committed to their real estate partners by offering tons of education opportunities to make sure agents fully understand all that their clients are signing at the closing table and preparing those agents to better serve the real estate community as a whole. Any of their attorneys, whether it's Mark Meese, Mike Kristoff, recently named Mar Affiliate of the Year, Lauren Merriweather, or Nick Gilder, any of them would be happy to connect with you to discuss an upcoming closing you may have or to get a better understanding of the home closing process. You can visit their website at www.memphistitleco.com or call call their office at 901-754-2080. 
I'll also put all of their information and their attorney's email addresses in the show notes for this episode. I'm a firm believer in Memphis Title because they, they are who I have turned to whenever I've had contract questions, and they've always gone out of their way to make sure we figured it out together, and I know they'd love to do the same for you. Memphis Title Company is today's feature partner on key exchanges of the 901. My next guest is an affiliate broker with Remax Experts and is almost two years in the business. Born in Mesa, Arizona, but she was raised in Memphis and now calls Lakeland home, where she lives with her husband, Brian, and their girls, Ivy and Tula. We're reaching a point in the life cycle of the show where I start running across agents that catch my attention on social media uh, through conversations I've had with others, and then I reach out to them about being on the show without ever having met this person in person. <laughs> Uh, our second guest checks all of those boxes, and what I can tell you is that she has impressed a ton of people that I really respect, and she is quickly becoming one of my favorite realtors to follow because of her fun personality and willingness to invite you into the life that she's living on a daily basis. Other people have bought into her too, as she's having a phenomenal start to 2021, and I can't wait to see how this year finishes for her. So without any further ado, it is my profound honor and great pleasure to welcome Miss Tara Cruzin onto Key Exchanges in the 901. Thanks for coming on the show, Tara. I cannot believe I'm here. I am here in the famous studio. I'm surrounded by fame uh, named Dane. Uh, it's no, amazing. Still just Dane, actually. No fame. It is. The male <laughs> Oprah has invited me. Oh, God. That's going to be a thing. I'm going to have to I, talk to Shannon about this. Um, how do you even go up from here? I, that, we've peaked pretty much. Unfortunately, this is it. So, um, well, hey, Tara, you know I like to start off each and every episode, right? we got to figure out how the heck did we get here. So I hop in the Wayback Machine with me and tell me, how did you get into real estate? Well, it actually started 10 years ago. I think you said two. I said two. I'm sorry. Well, I, 10 years ago, I was shopping and scouring the foreclosure sites. Okay. And I would drive around town and look for the cutest ones that perhaps I could afford on our single income as t young 20-year-olds okay. who just had their first baby. So maybe it was $100,000. Maybe it was below. And you guys are here in town? In town. Cordova, actually, was where we lived. And if it was open, I would just welcome myself to take a tour, just a little peek. You know, it's not exactly breaking and entering if it's open, right? Yeah, well that, so that's not being in real estate. That is breaking and entering 100%. Actually, no, that's that's a crime. Um, okay, so maybe then it started when I went through school 10 years ago. Okay, that works then. We'll count but that. But then it stopped because I didn't do anything else after that. Okay. Babies. Yes, it's a tough season. Moving. I, but then I did grow up a little. Okay. My kids grew up even more, and I had enough time and enough chutzpah as an older version of myself. And I went through school a second time, passed. Woohoo! Way yes. to go. And I joined Remax Experts and the Faye Jones team. And it's just been a wild ride. I feel like it was the thing that. I could have always done, but did not do before, and I'm so happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I'm curious because you are from here in town, but you moved, I guess you moved after being born in Arizona, but you pretty much, you're a Memphian, right? We're going to claim you. Uh, born in Mesa, moved here quickly, within a year. Okay. Bo I was raised in um, Raleigh, actually, Raleigh Bartlett Meadows. Rock and oh, Raleigh. Yes. I remember the playground and the giant tire. 
that was in it, we would all climb up it. Yeah. So fun. Hopefully they've done away with that tire at this point. It can't be great anymore. I don't even know if the school's there. I don't remember. Okay. It, I think it's called something different. Okay. But then I moved over to Germantown, and we actually lived um, in the Houston district. It was much smaller then. Sure. And then graduated from Bartlett High School, went to University of Memphis, and... Go Tigers. I, oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so I... I honestly always thought that I would move away. It was just a plan of mine subconsciously. And I did several times over. And then Memphis has this way about it that it attaches to you and it just keeps pulling you back. I think it's the people. I think it's the grit and the love of the city. And it's one of those cities that if you love it well, it loves you back. And so coming back is always sweet. It's very, it's very sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's super fun. Um, I, I know uh, I've got a, a decent read on these things after doing the show for the past eight months, and you seem to just have exploded onto the real estate scene over the last year or so. It's been really, really impressive. Is there anything that you would attribute for the initial success you've had after uh, re-entering the Memphis market? I think, one, my team, for certain. I have the most amazing mentors and leaders, Faye and Jim Jones. Um, they are currently with EXP Realty, and I consider them dear friends because of their desire to just welcome all of their people into their personal lives and their professional lives. They give you everything that a leader possibly can to allow you to succeed. And then also, I think just that confidence. I remember going through real estate school 10 years ago and our agent that was helping me break into the foreclosure homes. (laughs) She said, oh, honey, maybe do real estate when your babies are older. Because you're going to have more time, you know. And so I understand what she was saying. I think that there's a sweet spot in your availability to just dive in because real estate is one of those industries that, much like the city, what you put in, you can reap out. And it is for the go-getters and it's for the ones who consider themselves workaholics. And so that was just the stage. That met with a stellar team, I think, is that perfect recipe. Yeah. And just prior to starting your career with Remax in late 2019, your family moved back home from a stint in Washington, D.C. What was it that took you there to begin with? And I guess what brought you back? So the journey actually began in Jonesboro, Arkansas. My husband went through a ministry training slash uh, residency program. And from there, he was hired full time in D.C. um, as a worship pastor on Capitol Hill. It was actually one of the oldest historic black churches um, in the district, which is amazing. Do what? Is your husband black? (laughs) No, he's not. I don't know why they wanted him. (laughs) Okay. But we were there and it was amazing. It was amazing to see the integration and the love for the city. When we were there, we actually felt like there were so many components of the city that mimicked Memphis. And so Mm. I think that that even to this day helps us consider Washington, D.C., our second home. And so that stint didn't last as long as we had hoped, but... We came back for a minute, and then like crazy people who just couldn't let the girlfriend go, we chased back back after her. (laughs) And then COVID hit, and the world said, see, I told you, you should be back in Memphis. And so I came back for two weeks. I actually packed for literally two weeks. And then I like just... Four, 14 shirts and that's it kind of I thing. I mean, if that, and a couple of high heels, because who does that? Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic, I 
packed the high heels, forgot the laptop, and had to borrow my sister's to get started to help this sweet family purchase a home. And then I never left again. How about that? (laughs) It just, it's one of those snowball effects that you meet one person and then you meet another and another, and I just could not leave them in the middle of their house hunt. So help me kind of understand the time frame here because you're uh, in D.C., you're back. And when you're back the first time, this is when you go back to real estate school. I did. Okay. And then you move back to D.C. for a minute, having your Tennessee real estate license. Do you have a, uh, what is the license up there? Is it a DC? Is it Virginia? I mean, what, mm-hmm. so you, did you get one of those as well? I did. I did. I, I think I have enough education at this point to become a broker, maybe three or four times yeah, or over. Congressman sure. or something at this point. You've passed enough. <laughs> I have this. a master's degree in real estate yes. without yeah. the degree. Yes. I did go through school. I passed the DC exam. I have my license there. It is in retirement. I joined one of the most phenomenal Keller Williams groups on Capitol Hill. Okay. Yes, they're amazing. Um, unfortunately, COVID put that to uh, a halt, but they are still thriving. It's the Joel Nelson team. And again, I just, there's this charm about putting yourself out there. And when you do, people just seem to kind of come along and want to cheer you on because I think it's something that we all want for ourselves. And so it's easy to kind of want it for everyone else around you as well. I think we give what we have, you know. And so that it was amazing. I passed the test, got my license, and then I found myself kind of able to transition between each state. I really thought that I would go back and forth. Really? I, I really did. When I came back for two weeks, I thought, I'll stay here for a little while, sell a few homes, go back to D.C. when it opens back up, COVID, you know, what is that? It's just going to be two weeks anyway. That, that's why you only need 10 shirts, because it's just two <laughs> weeks long of COVID. Right. And we're flattening the curve. I bought a cute little diesel uh, Volkswagen, because it gets 60 miles to the gallon, and mm. I was just going to be, you know, a woman of the road. Yeah. That's uh, that's not great, right? So <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not ideal. Uh but then you're back. How soon after you not leaving again did your family join you and decide, you know what, I think uh, I don't think she's coming back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it really was so sad because I would talk to my kids every night and they would say, okay, mom, we're counting down. You're coming back, right? <sighs> I know. And then actually, D.C., it just because it was a bit of a hot spot for an outbreak, um, the city just continued to shut down even more. And Real estate out there, the median price point is eight fifty. So we were in a thousand square feet on Capitol Hill. Eesh. The city is shut down. You cannot even walk through parks. Um, and so the kids were cramped up, and they said, "Hey, you know how Tennessee's still open and there's space out there? Yeah. We're going to come join you." So within three weeks, they were here actually. But okay. it still was the longest we've ever spent apart. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. No, being three weeks apart from your your kids, that's a different animal. Absolutely, absolutely. I, well, I know recently uh, you've gone out on your own, but when you first began in real estate, you started out on a team. Um, do you feel that working within the context of a team is a good way for a new agent to start out and learn the basics of the business? I think joining a stellar team is perhaps the best gift. Key, that, key modifier there, right? The stellar team, the right? Stellar, right? The yeah. stellar team. One, I think, I hate to say it, but lead gen is going to be that number one box checker. Um, I think that when you are being trained and you are being taught, it's amazing. But when that's met with, here are these 
these active buyers. Here is this active on the ground experience to pair with all of the, you know, electronic versions of our training, CRMs, you know, documents, all that. Um, That's where the magic happens. And so when I came on the Jones team, I mean, I think my first day they filled my uh, CRM platform with 50, 60 leads. Call them, you know, interact with them, go out and see some houses, go out there. And um, it was just an amazing opportunity to be able to test the waters. I'm a full, just jump on in, just do it. Don't be afraid because if you're afraid, then you're going to change the actions that naturally come to you. So just you either can love it or you can be afraid of it. And if you love it, you're going to run towards it. And they allowed me to do that. If you have that, oh my goodness, just hold on. It's going to take off. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so much fun. I, I know so much of our world and our perception is colored by carefully curated social media posts. And even with that caveat, I, I have to acknowledge that you do a phenomenal job at it anyway. Like you, you're, I understand life is not always fun dancing through vacant houses, right? Sometimes <laughs> there's, there's a mess too, but, uh, is that something that just has always come natural to you to where you've been good at kind of, uh, telling that story or is it something where you put an intentional effort in uh, kind of curating that experience for your real estate practice? I believe that transparency and vulnerability and authenticity are the things that make life so rich. And so if it's possible to share that with the people around you, then I mean, just do it. And so social media is one of these amazing tools that can either be used for not very good things or really amazing things. And so whether you are having a dinner party around your table or you are posting on Facebook, I think that you should allow people to experience the, the joys of life because then that begins to allow them to see the joys in their own life. And even vacant home dancing. I mean, earlier that day, I think I probably had a call. I think it was the day that I had a call from my seller that they were not going to be able to sell their home anymore. And Mm. so, I mean, there's loss paired with every joyful post, but it's, it's in the daily life of saying, you know, a lot has happened today. A lot of crap has gone on. And there was this amazing dance party. It may have just been me in a vacant house, but there's always reason to celebrate. And I don't know, just putting it out there seems like one of the best works that you could do as you work. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. J- sharing that joy with me anyways. And, and here we are sitting across the table from each yes. other now. So that's it works. A, it, See? It, it works. My big plan works. It's exactly right. If you two <laughs> dance in vacant homes, that's how you get on key exchanges. That's only how, in leotards for you. Though, is that please. What, it, you were in a leotard? I, did no, I miss you, this? No, I saw you in a leotard. It, that, it was, and I thought, tights, I think, probably is, is a better thing. Okay, not leotard. That's the video. <laughs> Dancing in the leotard. That's the next one. Thank that's, you, Inspo. That's so funny. Um, but I, I know you, uh, we talk about your storytelling, right, as it relates to um, social media, just creativity in general. Is, is there anywhere else that you found uh, a good use for your creativity, just in life, I suppose? Well, we... Are a very musical family. Okay. And we, you mentioned your husband yes. with the worship pastor. Yes. Deal. And so when we met, we were actually leading worship together. And so um, we did lead worship for a little bit together in Washington, D.C., as well as Arkansas, and then our home churches here. Um, most people actually 
here would know me for music involvement of some sort. And so I, I would imagine that if I had the opportunity, I would have continued to pursue that. But like all wonderful artistic gifts, you sometimes need to grow up and, you know, and find a day job. And so I think that, uh, just celebrating life is something that music gives you the opportunity to do, right? Sure. And so you write a song about something beautiful or a beautiful experience. And so now it just looks a little bit different. Sure, sure. Do you, uh, you sing, you play any instruments or something? I mean, what's kind of that look like in your life? Sing and play piano. Piano. And even to this day, my kids are both beautiful singers. My husband is still actively into music and recording. My oldest daughter is a pianist. And so um, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. very fun. I hope that they continue that as well. That's yeah. super fun, yeah. yeah. Um, are, are there any areas of your practice that you feel particularly drawn to, whether it is a, a stage of life, a part of town, some other group that you feel just a unique affinity towards? I feel very passionate towards helping people as they transition into the Memphis area. I love helping buyers navigate the city who have perhaps never been here before. I actually started off as a Zillow affiliate. Some people have love or hate for Zillow, completely understand. But I have this remarkable experience of talking to so many people who, you know, just pick up the phone and say, I want to know about this listing. I'm in Colorado. I just got transferred to Memphis from Colorado. I don't even know where to begin. And so that to me is this amazing opportunity to become the city's biggest cheerleader and their biggest advocate and really that 30 day best friend, you know, or some 60. And so helping them navigate that transition because I know it so well is such a delight. And then when you get to celebrate and they, you know, not only do they get to buy a new home, but they have a literal new home in Memphis that they've are, have this opportunity to experience and explore. So that's really, really cool. That's really cool. So as you were re-entering back into the city, um, is there anything, I guess, particularly memorable about some of those first clients that bought into you as someone that you've kind of done some real estate here and there, but like you're really like kind of figuring this out and you have people that say, this is the biggest purchase that I may have ever made in my life. And uh, Tara, we want you to help us. Absolutely. Actually, one of those stories is the reason I came back in the first place. I worked basically from October to January. And I think I had a steady stream of probably three to four closings a month at that point. And so moving into the DC market, I was anticipating to continue on to, you know, that progress while COVID had a lot of other plans for me. And so I just continued to keep up with my clients here that were my past closings. And I remember the call. I was sitting in my dining room in DC and a sweet family who had just purchased a home. They moved here from Nevada, actually. And they uh, called me and they said, hey, our parents are coming. We love it here so much. Our parents are coming. And we were wondering if you are going to be in the area again. And of course, my real estate, you know, yes, uh, of course, this yes. knee jerk to this was, yeah, I'll, I'll be in the area. Sure. I can be there in three weeks. And so they said, perfect, because that's when they're coming. And I mean, I remember, I don't think I slept for three weeks, oh my just tossing and turning about, is this, is this something I should go and do? But 
it was so exciting to watch that family buy into the city. They bought into Lakeland. I mean, their kids are involved. They're involved in to, to grow that excitement for the city. I feel like it's almost a responsibility to help people, you know, just to continue that, pass that flame on, that carry that baton. Yeah. And so I told myself, I'm going to go. They were cash buyers because, you know, I mean, hello, equity. Yeah. And so I thought it was going to be easy, and it was-ish, kind of. We found them a nice for sale by owner sign. Okay. And, oh, yeah, driving around, and I said, let's go knock on this door. And we knocked on it. It ended up being an amazing experience. But those, that family, that the kids and the parents, I, I will never forget that. And it was so much so that it was worth it to come back. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it, that, that was the stretch that you've been back ever since, right? That was it. It was, I don't even remember what happened. The, mm. I never saw DC again, which in a lot of ways is sad. And we're going to plan to go back this summer. Sure. Um, but it's, it's just ironic, I think, yeah, well, that the place that I grew up and I always thought I would leave was the place that for so many reasons I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I think that's funny too. You talk about being the uh, the, the ex girlfriend that you couldn't get away from, <laughs> right? Uh, there's there's some level of closure when you just you can't get back when when there's actual physical distance and not this back and forth and back and should I shouldn't should I you know you, you didn't have a choice. You had an appointment on Monday that you couldn't leave for, and then you just kept having another appointment until you're back, right? So. Uh, I know this market right now is ridiculously competitive for buyers. Right now, as someone who started their career working primarily as a buyer's agent, are there any tips that you try to give your buyers to, to best position them to have a successful real estate transaction in this crazy world we're living in right now? Apart from having ample cash, is that one? Yeah, it's a good yes, tip in yes. general. In most areas of life, actually, real estate or otherwise. Just to have the cash. If you have the cash, we can do something. Yeah. I think having an amazing relationship with your lender, with your insurance specialist, I think that it's a team effort to get that buyer ready to compete. It's it's like a marathon, you know, you are you have to start off strong and finish strong. And so I think a strong start is when they have been responsible responsible with their finances, when they've been responsible for saying, we're not going to purchase this alone. We're going to partner with a lender. And then the lender and I both work together in this symbiotic, you know, uh, rallying around that buyer. And we say, how can we position this person? How can we tell their story through the offer, uh, through the loan, through all of the uh, setting up and financial backing to get them the uh, fiercest just hold, you know, on, on this home. And so, yeah, just the team, just knowing that they can't do it alone. It's not just shopping on Zillow. It's yeah. who are we as individuals? And because you have to stand out, like all of life right now, you as a buyer have to stand out when yeah. you present your offer. Well, and I feel like that just drives home the uh, the value that agents provide to their clients time and time again. Uh, that when there's somebody that says, "Look, I can do this. I can find. I, I found the house myself. What did I need you for?" It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just because you stumbled across a web page does not mean that this happened on your own because there's so much that you guys put in uh, and the team puts in to your clients ultimately being able to uh, take that step and, and finally be in the home that they, they work towards. Um, there's a ton there for sure. Absolutely. I remember the sweet 
officer, he was a first-time buyer, and we got to the closing table, and he said, that everyone warned me how hard this was going to be, but this was so easy. <laughs> and the closing attorney kind of smirked, and he said, oh, well, you know, the seller was about to back out because of this and this. And, and I said, shh, 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 please don't tell him. <laughs> and so he said, wait, what? And I said, well, that was my job was to shield you and guard you from all of that mess. That's That was my taking. And so you were just there to enjoy it. And so they have a lot of times no idea. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, I know your practice that has you spending a good bit of time in Lakeland and Arlington. You're living out there now. Um, and you sell all over the region. It's not like that's the only part that you work, but those parts of the county have just been experiencing a ton of amazing growth over the last decade or so. And things look bright growing going forward. Uh, and from my seat in insurance, one of the things that we look at in those developing communities is as they're developing out with public services like fire stations and a variety of other things. Um, when insurance companies are looking at these areas, they're going to say, like, how far is the nearest uh, fire station? And in Arlington, there was just the one for the longest time. I know there are more that are coming, and that's the, the plan in place. But right now, there's just the one. Do you feel like buyers, as they're going into the home buying process, are thinking about things like that? Because it's going to impact the total amount that they're paying on a monthly basis and how much house they can afford. Are things like the development of kind of the infrastructure around it a part of that decision, or is it something where most people are uninformed? For many of my buyers, taxes are something that they are very conscious and cognizant of as they shop around. They'll say, we want to move over towards this area because of the low taxes. And as an agent, as a professional who navigates the reasons why those taxes are low or that area is seemingly rural and can qualify for USDA or something like that, I have to remind them that you know those taxes are low Yes, now, but also remember this is the location of X, Y, and Z. And perhaps, yes, taxes over here in Arlington or Lakeland are rising, but think of all of the development. Think about the beauty of having a fire station right around the corner. I remember when the mayor of Arlington announced that he was going to make it his 2021 initiative to get out two new fire stations. And, you know, there was a little grumbling about, oh, what is this going to do to our taxes? You yeah. know, but I mean, just one, the safety aspect, but two, when the buyers look and see, yeah, yeah, taxes, blah, blah, blah. But man, the insurance, look at that quote. That's killer compared to over here, over here. So I think at all, they understand that eventually it all washes out kind of sure. and it just there's a beauty and a gift to all of it so. yeah well and, and bringing more and more jobs and people spending money in your city as well with something like it, it it's all kind of works together and sometimes we let the uh, uh taxes be the thing that drive a lot of our decision without seeing the pros that do come with uh this trade-off for sure so i think absolutely. it's a great conversation you're having for absolutely. sure absolutely uh, I want to change gears here a little bit, though, and talk about you more as a person now. Um, do you have any uh, interesting past jobs or side hustles along the way? I think that I, if you are the male version of Oprah, <laughs> I die. might be the male version. I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> big surprise here. Big reveal on key exchanges. <laughs> Tara the, is Terry. Uh, no. Oh, my no. gosh. That's actually my dad's name. How about that? It, that's weird. 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 Yeah. So weird. Actually, if you are the male version of Oprah, then I would be the female version of Forrest Gump because I think I have had every job possible. Okay. 15, you are not allowed to work 
as a car hop at Sonic. Okay. So I lied and said I was 16. Okay. Absolutely. It was a few months, you know, fudging, breaking and entering, lying on applications. Sure. It's this fine. Is, Great area. Bit of a criminal. Sure. I understand. I understand. <laughs> then Good-hearted it, criminal, but criminal nonetheless. Absolutely a criminal for all the best reasons. Yes. And it quickly grew into side hustles of cutting people's hair uh, just because... With no, do you have training in this? No, no training. <laughs> no, it's, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're poor and you're a hipster and you're thinking, I have, must have that look, but I cannot pay for it. Just bust out the shears that you got over at Sally's. And next thing you know, people are asking you to cut their hair. How about Absolutely. That? I've had vintage shops and clothing shops. I had a clothing shop in Arkansas, a vintage shop in the old strings and things. It's now Minglewood um, Hall. Yeah. yeah. And then I worked as a photography stylist for a little while. Yes, yes. All the things that matter in life, clothes and hair. Photos, it sounds like, yeah, yeah, Sonic. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, What are you into when you're not selling real estate? I am into my family. My family is everything. My uh, sisters are close by. My sister is actually building a home just around the corner from us. And so we we plan to have this cute little, you know, uh, homestead set up where we just go back and forth and, and yeah share everything. She have uh, kids as well? She does. Uh, I have two um, wonderful, uh, a niece and a nephew, and they are just wonderful. And so uh, family life is what took us back here. My kids gave me two conditions if we moved back to Memphis. They wanted a pool and they wanted to live by family. That's, that's fair, all I do now. Uh, that's a fair trade-off, right? I, I think that's uh, they drove a hard bargain, but that's a win <laughs> for you, I think. So uh, what movie have you seen more times than any other? Okay, every time I'm sick, I watch Pride and Prejudice, the one with Keira Knightley. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it. She's super dramatic, and when I'm sick, I feel kind of dramatic. Okay. I don't know. It just, it's, <laughs> I've become one yeah. with, with Kira. You're in the movie. You get to feel this, okay? <laughs> Different. Uh, fast food guilty pleasure. Chick-fil-A, what else is there in life? Yeah. The fries dipped in the creamy salsa dressing. With diet lemonade. If you've never done it, you must do it yeah. because it's the best combination. That's an odd combination that I... So the creamy... Was it creamy salsa ranch? Dr- dressing. dressing. It's just creamy salsa. Okay. You just say the words creamy salsa and they wink at you and they say, gotcha. Oh yeah. I've never it's even, like I, secret. I didn't know this was a thing that was even on the uh, deal. But it's only paired with french fries. Okay. And I mean, diet lemonade and diet lemonade. That's and another thing that I would have never tried. Do it. It's mm. amazing. It's like the spicy and the sour. It's amazing. Okay. It's on the list. Uh, go to comfort food. Mm, okay. So I am gluten free, not by choice, by circumstance. So biscuits are the thing that I miss most. Okay. Okay. Just That's biscuits that, no, and my, gravy and all the Southern right things. Oh. And so the gluten free version of, of that, I guess, would be my biggest comfort. Gluten-free right biscuits it's and cheap, gravy. It's a cheap replacement. I can't help it. I get, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, that's what our medical community needs to be working on. We got this COVID thing figured out now. Now, now figure we, out my gallbladder. No, we, no I, whatever. <laughs> we need gluten-free biscuits. That's what we want them to be better for sure. So, uh, Most awkward thing that happens to you on a regular basis? Everywhere I go, I meet someone I know. That sounded like a song lyric, didn't yeah, it? Did, it yeah, does. yeah. So, we, can you g- sing it? G- I can't. I, that's, we're going to let okay. that be you, okay? Okay, I'll be, okay. Uh, what... Uh, Give me an example of this. I mean, like, what is this? When does this happen in your life? Okay, so I'm sitting in my living room in Washington, D.C., 
cute little thousand square foot row home. A friend of ours happens to be coming by and sits in our living room. We're talking, shooting the breeze, and come to find out his mom owned the second home that we purchased in Cordova. So we're sitting there and he says, yeah, my mom, and says her name. And we realized that that was the name on the contract. And so then we realized that he was actually walking out of the house uh, when it came time for inspection. He was like this, you know, grubby little teenager at the time and we yeah. kicking him out of our house. And so um, that was weird. It was super weird because we're both in Washington, D.C. from Memphis and we crossed paths what many years ago. What are that? Crazy. Uh, what's something weird that you recommend everyone try at least once? I think everyone should cut off their hair at least once. Yeah, slow down there. Okay. I All feel right. like you're rocking it uh, and it's very inspiring. It, it's Sometimes you have to do it more than once. Okay. You end up with this <laughs> and you're like, I guess I'm in this now. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the fear. If I cut it off, will it ever come back? Well, nobody else that gets invited on the show <laughs> then that's got this haircut. Okay. Don't take Tara's advice because that's only one bald guy on this one. Right? I just so. think maybe everyone should feel the weightlessness once. It's just fun. It's overrated. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you in real estate? The weirdest thing that's ever happened to me is that I sold my aunt's home to a childhood friend without ever planning any of it. Okay. The call was random and we were talking and she says, Hey, I think I know you. And uh, we realized, yes, we know each other. We kind of grew up together. She's wonderful. She has a family now. I have a family now. We connected, saw a bunch of houses, walked into this one house, and it was not until that I was walking out of my cousin's old room that I became like six-year-old me again. And it's like all of a sudden, my memory is just, it's like the movie you see, and all of a sudden you become that little person and you're walking through. And I had to stop her and I said, I know this house. I know it. And yeah. I mean, she wasn't as amazed as I was, but sure. I was pretty amazed. Yeah. So your aunt didn't own the house this time. This is somebody else. She had sold it. And this is a different seller of the home at this point. Probably at this point, four or five people have owned it between then. And I mean, I I had to convince family members that this was actually the house. And oh, so when God. we found out that it was... They, you know, they ended up buying that house. And so cool. my childhood friend lives in my aunt's old home that I grew up in. That's funny. Just small world. Yeah. What is uh, What is something you dislike that everyone else seems to love? Okay. Everybody loves ferns. What is up with ferns? They are haggard and crazed looking and they require a lot of work and I just don't get it. Every time I see a fern, I just roll my eyes. Like, it's what is that? Get a fiddle leaf. I don't even know. Snake plant. Hot fern takes here on key exchanges. <laughs> this is what you come here for. Hot fern takes. <laughs> well, let, let's flip it then. What is something you like that everyone else seems to hate? Okay, I. Any any other gardening items that we'd like to? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> okay, I love sugar-free, dairy-free ice cream. Oh go! Oh. <laughs> it's so like it's the guilty, you know fix There's that you don't have to be guilty about, about. Yeah, no guilt whatsoever. That's <laughs> and then you're not like, oh, I need some lactate. You know, you don't have to do that. Is it's just, it still ice cream? It's, it's, it is. Sometimes it's coconut. Sometimes it's oat. I don't even know. But you can eat the whole pint yeah. and not feel bad because it's basically like salad. I don't think anyone's ever eaten a whole pint of that. Uh, <laughs> I maybe did the other night. Uh, you're know. the only one. <laughs> only one. Uh, favorite Memphis date night restaurant. Ooh, okay. So speakeasies are my jam. Okay. Itabina. 
Okay. Have you been? Yes, of course. Okay, of course. The blue room, and if it's not COVID, the lounge singing, and walking up the uh, dark staircase, and yeah. you pretend like you're on, you know, some fancy, I don't know, date Did, night, there, which you are sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were there cool speakeasies and DCs that you got to check out? Absolutely. And they were probably way more of authentic maybe we should say because they were probably older sure. you know like the ones that are like sunken in the ground and were probably owned by gangsters yeah so that was pretty cool but it had been a no matter where i go always has my heart fair enough uh go to breakfast items i every morning start my day off with british tea with oat milk okay i know it's i know i'm like the weirdest i promise i do throw <laughs> down a good dinner party but i just is this a weird. dietary thing that you're just like Everything's a little off with what you eat, it seems like. <laughs> Even like the Chick-fil-A, you made it a little weird, and I don't know how that happens. I think so. I think maybe my hidden talent's being weird. And Just eating come all the weird like, food. Uh, uh, life, you're fine. You dance in vacant houses, but I'm okay. The breaking and entering's a little weird, but the uh, the food am, choices are different. Okay, maybe it's a thing. I have a, I have a thing for Kira Knightley, and so I, I drink the tea to feel like I'm British, like Kira Knightley. I don't know, okay. but coffee's just a little too rigid on my nerves. And so I can't have the coffee, you know, going through my veins that early. So okay. tea right. is just this nice, mellow, like, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you can't, yeah. can't be too hype. And, but, I, but when I drink it, I say, good morning. Yes, always. Yes, have absolutely. to. Absolutely. Uh, first CD you remember buying? Boys to Men, Baby. <laughs> Evolution. Oh, yes. I, I remember blasting that on my uh, my boombox, whatever I had yeah. back in the day. Yeah, that's so funny. App on your phone that you could not live without. Duh, Sentry Key. Okay. <laughs> get All day, every day, Sentry yes. Key. Love it. Uh, favorite purchase of the last year? I am super lame, and I never jumped on the earbuds train because my ears are so little. Um, they just fall out. Okay. And so she's just a very little person. If you've not yeah, seen I, her person, she's, she's five one. I think five was. one, yes, and stopped growing at probably thirteen. Who okay. knows? Who's keeping count? Yeah. But the earbuds are made for adults. Yep. I don't have adult ears. Grown I have ears. little kid ears. And so they invented this wonderful little nubby thing called ear earpod. What is it called? AirPod Pro. 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 So in my personal life, I call them earbuds because. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's not, just funny. Not the right name, but I'm with you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, AirPods, the dog. <laughs> exactly. The Airbud Pro is a better because, dog. Because I only ever use the cheap knockoff, and those were called earbuds, yeah. right? But That's then cool. now I have AirPods, but Airbud is now my nickname for my cute little ones that fit my ear. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, last question, Tara. If people want to get in touch with you to discuss buying or selling property, how can they do that? You can call me, you can text me, you can email me. 901-833-0658 is my number. Tara Sells at Gmail is my easy peasy to remember email. Just, but don't forget the two R's. T-A-R-R-A. Yes. Sells. Yes. Two Gmail. R's. Very important deal. You get a different Tara if you email the other one. So this Please is the one don't. You want. Yes. She's not nice. Yes. You want mm -mm. this one for sure. Mm -mm. Uh, well, Tara, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show. And guys, that does it for this episode of Key Exchanges on the 901. As always, we'll have all of our guests and sponsors' contact information in the show notes in case you'd like to reach them. And if you need to get in touch with me for any reason about the show or something home insurance related for you or for your clients, you can always email me at dwilliams at shoemakerins.com. 
If you like what you heard today and you want to stay up to date on future episodes, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you really like the show, you can leave us a review there as well. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to catch up with you on Key Exchanges, the 901.